So welcome to Bite Size Edge, working in association with Edge NLP. This is where our mantra is unleashing people potential. And we are in the really fortunate position of being able to spend time hanging out with some really cool individuals who inspire others or have a phenomenal story to tell or share. And today is no different from any of the other fabulous podcasts that we've done. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of um, hanging out with fabulous Mr. John Fleming. So, John, good morning and welcome to Bite Size Edge. Morning. How are you? Very, very well, thank you. How is beautiful Ireland today? Very rainy this morning. We're having a rainy Monday morning. But you know what? That's okay. Sometimes it has a lot of rain, doesn't it? Yes, particularly where I live because I am on the southwest coast. So we just get all the rain straight in off the Atlantic. Mm. Some of the best um, um, surfing going there, I believe. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. All along the west coast. Um, yeah, Cork is pretty good. Um, but I would say Clare and Donegal probably are the, the hot spots. Yeah, I've been to Donegal quite a few times and seen the surfers and things there. It's quite extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful part of the world. Oh, incredible. Yeah, I feel blessed having grown up here. How lovely. Mm. Here I am in Buckinghamshire. (laughs) Feel very lovely, don't get me wrong. But the idea of being even in a wet, a wet island, the fact that you've got the sea so close by for me is hugely appealing. If Mm. I'm lucky, I can go outside and find a puddle. (laughs) <laughs> yeah I, I can't do landlocked I have to admit no I can yeah uh, I can't do it uh, I tried uh, mm. briefly didn't work, <laughs> didn't work. Didn't work. so yeah. John our paths have crossed quite a lot recently they have um, you came and joined us for a uh, a taste today a webinar probably a couple of years back um, mm-hmm. and from that you decided you were going to come and do your NLP practitioner course and so your journey is set out ahead of you when it comes to NLP. But when, yes. I was, when I was doing a bit of research around doing this podcast with you, I noticed, John, you have to be probably one of the most qualified individuals I've ever spoken to. <laughs> Tell me about your drive for continuous learning. <laughs> or just crazy course. amounts of letters after your name. What is I'm it, the John? course king. The course king. <laughs> I know, yeah. I need to slow down a bit. Um, Yeah, I suppose that really comes from an insatiable appetite for personal development. Mm. Uh, An awful lot of what I've done so far really first and foremost has been for me and has been me figuring me out, doing the work, as some people would say, um, which I, I think you need to do in order to be able to work with others. But also, actually, it's just really a gift to me. Um, I come with my own backstory like lots of people do. And, um, yeah, I've been busy tending to it. And I've often found that um, I've got a, a lot out of learning mm. about therapy, coaching, things like NLP, um, as a way of also healing and working through my own stuff. So tell me a little bit more about the whole, I love the phrase, figuring me out. I've been on a, I've been on a number of courses and workshops and things in the past where I'm listening to the person who's running it and they're hugely experienced. That, that is clear to be seen. 
but there's something almost lacking when it comes to the depth of that experience. And, and your phrase there, figuring me out, is almost the bit that feels like is missing. Does that make sense? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it does make sense. I have some thoughts about that. Um, I, I have a very strong value in showing up um, in the best way I can for others okay. if, I'm, if I'm working professionally. And I think that that puts a responsibility on me, which I would encourage others to do the same, which is to, to throw yourself in at the deep end when it comes to uncovering uh, what lies below the surface. Um, you know, it's so easy to, uh, you know, kind of do a course and think about how I can apply this to other people and I could help all these people. But really, the work starts at home. Mm. You know, I, I would say that most of my learning in how I can support and facilitate other people's personal development and growth and healing has come about because of what I've learned about myself in that regard. And we're relational beings. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it, John? Because I, I think when I, when I started my NLP journey, I was working very much in the corporate arena. And I'd worked in the corporate elite arena ever since I had been kind of like professionally working. Mm. I wasn't corporate when I was doing the paper round, for sure. I I was, but I wasn't. Um, and um, I was in, so there I was working in the corporate arena. I decided to do my NLP course because I'd heard it'd be brilliant in sales in team development, everything else. And there I went into that room very much solely focused on, you know, what am I going to get out of this? It will be good for my team and for my career. And within a nanosecond, John, I had that rude awakening, which was, shit, this is actually going to be all about me. Mm. And I think it was the first time I'd had that opportunity to make the decision. Do I look in the mirror and do this? Or do I put the mirror back down and carry on with the narrative I thought I was going to play out? And there's a there's a bravery around stepping into that space, I feel. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think it happens to me on almost every course that I go on, really, um, where, you know, I'm like, okay, this will be great for my professional development. Um, and very quickly, on the first day, I usually catch myself on and go, oh, you're here, you're actually here for you, first and, and, and foremost, that, that's what comes first, and I think when you embrace it in that way, you actually get so much more out of it, mm. you, know, you really do, you get an awful lot of depth out of the learning, um, because you're internalizing it, and you're making sense of your own experiences uh, through the learning, which is actually really powerful, yeah, uh, it is for me anyway, you know, and mm. I suppose I want to be careful not to um, to come across as kind of absolutist. You know, I'm really am speaking about my own experience, but mm. I have heard from others, and I think you're echoing that they they have similar experiences when they embrace things in that way. Yeah, absolutely, and I think also there's there's the if you then turn that on its head, so then now as a as the the coach, the course leader, the, you know, whatever you want to, the practitioner, whatever terminology you want to give yourself. I think being able to bring that depth to it. And I also think the word that resonates for me is around vulnerability. Bring that mm. level of vulnerability to it allows people consciously and subconsciously to, to, to allow themselves, give themselves permission to go there. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And it's not easy to be vulnerable. 
you know, no. put, put that right out there. Let's put the fish on the table. <laughs> I, because... I like, I hide behind humour, John. <laughs> <laughs> I perceive myself as a really funny person. What does that tell you? <laughs> I, I, you know, because some people, you know, talk about vulnerability um, and I don't want to discredit anybody. I think it always comes from the from a good place. But they talk about it as if it's something extraordinarily easy that's just sitting below the surface for everybody to to do. And actually, some of us find being vulnerable exceptionally hard. And the reason that is is because some of our past experiences. So we can be very hyper vigilant. Uh, we can have defenses. There can be lots of things that get in our way. Sometimes it's ourselves <laughs> getting in our own way. And um, I'm always careful to really actually honor those parts mm-hmm. uh, because they at one point were there to keep us safe. And uh, I think you need to move slowly sometimes, particularly in the beginning. And you never know what you're knocking against. Someone, you know, could there be trauma is always a big question for me. Mm. Um, am I more careful when there is? Yes, absolutely. Particularly when I feel like the person might not be aware of it. Yeah. Some people have childhood trauma uh, that sits behind repressed memories and is locked deep in their unconscious. And we have to be careful how we go about unlocking that. And often their unconscious anyway is a, is a very strong gatekeeper. They won't let you in. yeah yeah i think vulnerability is really potent when you can go there and i think at the beginning for some of us it's about taking baby steps i think you're right the 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 phrase that kind of or the word that came to my mind there when you were talking was the word choice Mm. um because i think there's the there's the there's a responsibility to hold the person in a safe space it sounds really cliche to do that and, and as in the terminology, and to help them unpick as they want to unpick and if they choose to unpick. Mm. Um, and, you know, you talked about the, the gatekeeper. You know, I think, I think it was someone on the course that we did with you recently who referred to that, that filter between our conscious and subconscious mind as being the bouncer. Mm. Yeah, the bouncer who's deciding who can and can't come in, you know, yeah. who can and can't go out. And I think that is such a, a powerful kind of visualization. You're able to see that and recognize that it's okay to choose as and when. Yes. Um, and that you own that part of whatever transition you as a client, you as a, a, a you know, yeah, you as a client choose to go on. I think is really powerful and always recognizing you've got choice. Yeah, I think autonomy is exceptionally important. Mm. And actually, I think that that had sometimes has been a thing that's really challenged me personally is taking the leap, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And then when you do take it, it often is, is wonderful. Yeah. You know, yeah. What, what lies at the other side, but it's kind of like visualizing yourself, you know, hopping along stepping stones in a stream, you know, will, will you jump to the, the next one that is just a little bit further away than the last one was mm, absolutely yeah oh my god that that kind of triggered a memory for me so where we live i know i said there's only a i have to go and find a puddle there is actually the misborn lake which is river rather that runs it's literally like a very narrow stream but then it 
there's more of a more of a bit of a lake at the far end and I often walk the dogs around there and there's a bit where you can jump over and there was a time when and this is really interesting actually for, for thinking about it John you've kind of triggered a thought if I go back a few months ago it was more wintry so it's a little bit more slippy and I got to that part and I had to jump over because the water is too deep to go through without getting my feet soaked right um, and I just had this moment of doubt Mm. I had this big old moment of doubt where, I, listen, I'm five foot eleven. I can I could have stepped over it, um, but I had this moment of doubt, which actually led me, John, to walk through the water. Mm. But what was really interesting when I reflect on that now is the dialogues I had going on for me and where I was with a number of situations mm. and how it just manifested itself in that way. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? Bizarre, isn't it? When you actually stop to think about it. Mm. And so on, John, another, on, on another day, you could have hopped. You just yes. never know because it also is so dependent on our mood, what else has happened that day. Yeah. Yeah. Whether the dogs were, weren't with you, would you have? You know, there's so many yeah. factors, isn't there? Absolutely. So, John, with this extensive learning that you have, yeah, um, you also have, you've had kind of like two particular businesses streams going on at the moment, haven't you? You've got the work within the more of the corporate arena, and then you've had more of the self-development work going on on a one-to-one basis. Yeah. But, but, you know, hear it now first, breaking news, you're doing something completely different. Well, not completely different. You're, you, you're moving your businesses along. Tell me, tell me what you're looking to do. Yeah, I suppose it's kind of like the next iteration, you, you know, um, and, and I think that there's a real learning piece in this for me as well, which I'm going to preface all of this with, which is that I think for a long time, I was like, you know, destination focused. If I can just get here, then everything will be great. And I, I suppose I finally figured out and accepted that life is going to always be transient and always moving forward. And that, you know, there is no destination you know so um i feel i feel quite comfortable with that now there was a time when that would have really bothered me because i wanted certainty and structure and all of these things and now that i i recognize that it will always be evolving and can really hold that loosely um i think i'm able to move forward in a way that i wanted to for a while but what but didn't know how necessarily or was uncertain again it's that vulnerability piece coming up you know putting myself there in a mm. different way um so i traditionally uh was a management consultant grew up in 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 organizations similar sector to you i think pip that was my my upbringing if you like in in the corporate arena yeah and um i want to move away from kind of the traditional consultancy work that i that i do um and i want to bring my my kind of personal development and professional development piece closer to my my corporate piece and and in in a way have some integration there um and what the direction i'm heading in is is all around uh, trauma-informed leadership um, I, I think it's exceptionally important that leaders in the society that we live in now have an idea about the people that are showing up to work with them and how to support them. 
Um, I think we've kind of moved past this wall that has been between people's personal lives and 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 work lives you know that this whole thing of like oh well I have work me and I have a I have a me and you know that's just nonsense as far as I'm concerned you're you you are the one mm. person and if you try and split that off then you are actually creating split off parts of yourself which is is not healthy so I, I'm all about working with people holistically what and I don't mean as in a holistic therapist when I say that I'm not going to be doing massage and reflexology but I'm talking about working with the whole person um and and when I believe that when a person shows up in work, they show up with all of them. Um, and I think that it's, it's, it's important for leaders to understand trauma, to recognize it, to understand mm-hmm. how it manifests, um, so that they can really actually support people in what they might be mm-hmm. going through. And it comes in all shapes and forms. I'm not talking about uh, the extremities of PTSD here. Um, we effectively all have some trauma of some sort. Um, shape or form and that man- will manifest in different ways for us um, mm-hmm. and I'm not expecting leaders to become therapists either but it's really just about giving them extra tools in their toolbox um, so I already work with a lot of executives and C-suite um, as an executive coach um, and I'm looking to move that on now to work with these senior leaders um, in, in a more holistic way to also be thinking about their organisation particularly the people aspect of it and how, as we move forward, they can support them in a more enhanced way. Um, And I think it probably comes as a really important time post COVID. I think we learned an awful lot about people's resilience during that period. People are going to be working from home. I I think that within 10 years, offices will be a thing of the past. I really Mm. see that COVID has really sped up probably a process that was already there but it's probably you know multiplied it by 10 probably so um i think that managing virtual teams they're they're you know people are going to be in their homes and showing up from work which is going to take more of the the boundary away between work and home yeah yeah absolutely a couple of questions for you john because I, I find this quite, I find this fascinating. So, the joys of COVID brought a massive pressure on people's mental wellness. Mm. Yeah, um, and aligned to that, kind of during that period, the government launched um, a number of campaigns to do with mental wellness at work. Almost a, almost a, it was a, you know, you, you could question whether it was a bit of a tick box exercise from their mm. perspective, because it was going to be. It was always there. Mm. You know, people have always had challenges with their mental well-being in one way or another. And as you said, all of us in one way or another probably have some form of trauma. And um, COVID ended up putting a bit of a, you know, a telescope on there. So you absolutely, a magnifying glass might be better, but totally got to see what was going on. I think, I think for me, what I, my question to you, John, is how, because I, I, I still question whether... For some organisations, they're kind of going, right, we've ticked that box. We've got some training in place, online mm. training for people, to, for managers to be aware of mental wellness. What are the key signs? Um, good. Move on. Um, how, do we, how do we maintain this? How do we make it real? Because 
I honestly believe we're just scratching the surface with things like this. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what, what I think what you're talking about there is is a different version of what we talked about earlier when we show up to the course because it's good for our professional development. And then we realize pretty quickly on the first day that actually this is this is first and foremost for me. Yeah. And I think that's the way we change it. I want to work with leaders about what's going on for them. Right. So that they Perfect. have an appreciation and empathy for what might be going on for their teams. That's mm. my route into this really is it's for me, it's not a, uh, it's not a PowerPoint deck. Explain six, six signs of well-being. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been through de- death by PowerPoint and it's not a piece of e-learning, self-managed learning. <laughs> uh, you know, that I want to make this real for people. And Mm. I believe that there's a real opportunity here with senior leaders for them to be to to really step into their vulnerability about their lives and what might be going on for them. And I think that is one way of creating trauma informed leadership is Mm. that people begin to have an appreciation and understanding of themselves first. And when they begin to do the work they will be better placed as senior leaders in organizations to support people in a meaningful way, not in the kind of traditional people ops, HR, we have a policy for that because policies are great, but they don't fix problems. Mm. And actually, I think that what's most important here is actually about contact. People don't want an EAP. People want to be able to meet with their manager and they want to be able to have a real conversation with them and they want to be able to feel heard and supported. And um, a recent uh, survey that was done for an organization that I work for, which I won't name, um, well, I don't work for them, I do some consultancy work for them. Um, They have an exit interview an external company that does it. And uh, we were looking at the results recently over the last 12 months. And the top reason people were leaving is because of lack of engagement with their manager. That's interesting, isn't it? Sure, there was other factors like money, progression opportunities, and where I was expecting them to be in comparison to where they actually were was miles apart. The The real top top one streets ahead in terms of percentage was lack of engagement with their manager and I think that's a real challenge for people managers because they often also have their own job with their own set of responsibilities outside of managing their team there's lots of expectations on them from their manager and they might not Mm. have the time or sometimes actually it's a skill because nobody's ever given them training So you have to ask yourself, well, have we equipped these people? Have we given them adequate people manager training? And again, that's not just training them on the HR policies. That's great. But have we taught them about how to have a conversation, a meaningful conversation, listening skills? You know, Mm -hmm. these are the real bread and butter things, I think, that are so important. Um, And that's the route in, I think. And I think there's another challenge there as well, is that as we work, more remotely I think people managers are more challenged 
to ensure they have the right level of engagement because they're now not on an office block where they can swivel around or go to the canteen or go get lunch together or go out for a coffee or they're not just there readily available. It has to be scheduled or, you know, kind of put time in your calendar or can we hop on a Teams call or can we go on Zoom? There there has to be another step in the process. And I Mm. think that there is a skill to managing a team remotely. Oh, there is. There is. But but everything that you're saying there also, John, is happening for that person who's the manager. 100%. And this is why it needs to start with senior leadership. Mm. Because so many of the programs and things like that will go in at base level. Mm-hmm. And then they wonder why the culture is not changing in relation to that particular issue. And it's because the senior leaders aren't aware of the content that they're trying to push out you know you know it's just like like you said it's a tick box exercise Mm. you want to create meaningful change in an organization it it actually takes quite a lot of work and needs a lot of buy-in and sponsorship it needs a lot of buy-in and sponsorship um Mm -hmm. from the senior leadership team you know they they need to be walking the talk essentially and they need to be leading literally leading the way Mm. in relation to these initiatives and I think that's what I see often isn't happening yeah I'm I'm working with an organization at the moment and it's really it's quite fascinating because there is a there is an absolute drive from senior leaders apart from the very senior leader or even at that level to change the culture in the organization um, to to make it um, way more inclusive, mm. um, to make it make it way more supportive, way more encompassing of people's needs, and all those fabulous things are being said. And in reality, I see very little of that being demonstrated at that real top level. Mm. It's a this is what we should be doing, as opposed to this is what I believe we want to be doing come down the level and you've got the drivers there who are kind of going we've got to make this happen what's it going to look like what are the values of the business but really what does that mean what are the behaviors to support it what's going to be the infrastructure there and constantly the almost the the bit that trips that process up is the person at the very top or the people at the very top of the organization saying it but not truly buying into it yeah, hundred percent. And I wonder, John, whether that comes from fear. It could be. I think that there is lots of reasons why that happened. Um, and also, it might also not even be people at the top. It could be the founder of the organization who's on the board, or it could be mm. the board itself. I'm doing uh, a course at the moment in organizational anthropology where we're where we're taking a deep dive looking at organizational culture because of course anthropology is so focused on culture in societies mm. um and what i'm finding really fascinating is the depth that you sometimes have to go to to understand why the culture is the way it is in the organization before you can ever even consider implementing change yeah And I think that's the bit that's difficult for organizations because they want efficiency. Yeah. Want it yesterday. 
and they want to they want a plan. And actually, I think the plan sometimes can be the thing that can cripple the process. Yeah. You know, because we're not we're not changing the payroll system. We're not implementing a new CRM. This is a different sort of change. And I managed change in organizations for years. That years, that was my my thing, really, and transitions. Um, and it was all structural change, systems, mm-hmm. processes. Mm-hmm. But what we're talking about here is dynamics. Yeah. And when you're managing change in relation to dynamics and people, you have to take a very different approach. And I think that's what's often not understood. People apply a kind of typical organizational change management process Mm. in culture. It doesn't work. That's why 99% of culture change programs fail. Mm. And it reverts back to what was there in the first place anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things, you've done systemic coaching, haven't you? Mm. So the constellation Yeah. So when I did my, um, I did a week-long course in that as well, and I, I found it absolutely fascinating. I actually went there for personal reasons, to be honest, because I was really interested. But uh, the earliest, the earliest course I could get on was a was a was a business aimed one, you know, focused one, and I found it fascinating when they talked about looking at the history of the founders of the business. Yes. And how, and I think one of the ones, one of the businesses they use as an example, I might be wrong. I think it was Dunlop mm. um, and going back to the history and the founder and, and the culture of, of the founder and the beliefs of the founder, however many people since and how some of that has manifested itself all the way through in how the business is still run or was run up until recently. Um, and I, I kind of think that's an element of what you're talking about there, John. Also, it's way deeper, way deeper 100%. than the process. Yeah, 100% because in transaction analysis we call it script so for an individual we talk about an individual script but there's organizational script as well and Mm. one of the things that sometimes paralyzes an organization is the founder's impact on that script yeah um and people wonder why they, they they keep having the same problem over and over again people keep leaving or you know, and, and there's just, there's no amount of reporting that's going to figure it out. Yeah. But actually that calls sometimes for a piece of really deep analysis on what's the history here? And, mm. and where did this system get formed? And actually systemic work and constellation work, that sort of stuff un- really uncovers the depth very quickly. If mm. a leadership team are willing to go there, you know, it's kind mm. of like going into organizations and I get my box of Lego out or Play-Doh, you know, and I think they're looking at this guy going, really? You know, um, but if, if they will, are willing to trust you and go with the process, they can get so much out of it. And that's that vulnerability piece coming up again. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. But that's, see, that's quite similar to um, uh, an element around timeline in the mm. world of NLP, timeline around the fact that you know, sometimes things are passed down genealogically or past lives. You know, yes. how, how often are we reliving something that happened two, three generations ago? Yes. But it's the same in business, isn't it? 100%. Yeah, <clears throat> 100%. I actually uncovered 
something in in my genealogy that was passed down epigenetically to me um just before christmas and when i when i when i resolved it through a series of family constellations it changed my changed my whole life both personally and professionally like very profound because i i was behaving in a certain way and was attracting and inviting in a certain type of people to my life mm. and it wasn't my stuff yeah yeah belongs to somebody else and when i was able to identify that acknowledge it and hand it back you don't try and tear it up put it in the bin that doesn't work you no. know you hand it back to the person that belongs to you respectfully yeah. and say this isn't mine and I'm going to give it back to you now yeah and yeah. it's actually powerful, really powerful. quite profound yeah absolutely so yeah. so John tell us what you're actually going to be doing because you're moving into doing retreats and such like so yeah so and that's that's the other part of it then I suppose that's where I'm bringing more of my other business which is becoming you mm-hmm. um and, I, and I, I picked that name because I feel like that's what I've been doing my whole life is becoming me mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it felt like a really fitting name for for my business because what I want to do is to support and facilitate other people to go on that journey which from my perspective has been so varied like I've thrown the kitchen sink at it if it, you know if it if it exists I've done it silent retreats, walking over hot coals, you name it. I've been there because I'm always willing to give something a go. So what I'm doing, I, I did have a small uh, psychotherapy and counseling practice um, that I did one day a week on the side. Um, and, and then I had my my more corporate work the rest of the week. So I, I, I closed that down in, in January. Mm-hmm. And what I'm going to focus mm-hmm. on doing now to launch in, in, in early 2023, but there probably will be a, a few small events at the end of this year, um, is to uh, offer retreat-based work to support my corporate work. So what I'm going to be doing is inviting people I'm working with in the corporates where I'm doing coaching and consultancy to, to go a layer deeper outside of a work environment, outside of Zoom, to come in person to do a two-day one-to-one piece of work with me um, or to join a larger group for a full week. And that's going to be a really intensive, immersive experience. Um, and it is, uh, I, I do kind of take a bit a, a breaky down, build you back up approach to that. Okay. Um, and, and the idea that that though is, is to kind of assault the senses a little bit, you know, and to mm. really, um, give people space to experience something completely different from what they're they're used to and for them to make their own meaning of that I don't have a strong agenda of what people get out of it my job is to hold space and facilitate the process and Mm -hmm. I trust the process will reveal whatever it needs to for those people but that will be a blend of 6 a.m dynamics meditation um, ice baths um, I, I will have other people working with me that will also do physical therapies because I'm a really big believer in working with the body. I did train as a, as a masseuse and reflexologist, but I, I don't work in that way. I never did. I kind of just more did some for personal learning for myself because I really believe in working with the body. So there will also be elements of massage, reflexology and craniosacral therapy, but they'll be offered by uh, people, colleagues working with me. Mm-hmm. Um, group work. So group coaching, group therapy style, um, where where we do kind of 
process work. And what I mean by that is we work with whatever arises in the moment in the group. Okay. Uh, and then there'll be some specific uh, kind of processes that people will be invited into, um, like meditations um, and also um, shamanic journeying sessions, which yeah, is kind of a, uh, a deep kind of um, almost psychedelic experience in a way. It's, it's, it's basically yeah. Celtic shamanism uses a drum in the way that the Amazonian shamans would use ayahuasca to induce a, a hypnotic state um, and um, also holotropic breathwork. So again, what, what I try and do and what I will be doing really, not trying because I will be doing it. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> I will um, be offering people things at different levels. So intellectual, there'll definitely be some talking, coaching type work there to satisfy the head. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then a lot of work with the body and the unconscious because mm-hmm. that, that takes the head out of it and and from my own personal journey I know that my head often got in the way mm-hmm. actually making progress so these more immersive and intense experiences really are throwing up opportunities for people to work at a different level that they might not be used to before so they might have had coaching or therapy which was you know sit in a chair talk it's very heady maybe you yeah. get that heart level but i'm wanting to pe- bring people right down into their bodies mm-hmm. and uh, the the idea there is to support people to work a little bit deeper so that when they return back into their organizations they have a different perspective on themselves mm-hmm. and what well-being really is so part of it also is about taking time out yeah and um i'm not going to be imposing silence but I am going to be inviting people to, to be silent. And uh, one way we might do that is by inviting people to not have conversations with anybody before lunch, but then after lunch, you know, feel free to chat. And really what that's about is that when, when you create an environment where there's silence, it allows you to go inside in a way that you don't normally go in. Because yeah. all you can do in that moment is is have a real and meaningful conversation. The Oscar. <laughs> my security oh. dog. Um, That's real, mine off. <laughs> a real and meaningful conversation with yourself, you know, um, which we don't often have. Lots of conversations mm-hmm. with other people. Um, and we get really busy in our heads about writing lists and what we have to do next and what we have to do tomorrow. We don't often have a real conversation with ourselves. Mm. Sounds fabulous, John. Sounds fascinating. This is so you're going to be launching this uh, beginning of 2023, albeit there might be a few bits prior. To... Yeah, there'll probably be a couple of one day trial bits even maybe, okay. um, and, or an even shorter workshops because I, I regularly hold dynamics meditations and um, uh what's the other thing the shamanic journey on a, on a regular basis anyway um mm-hmm. so yeah they, they'll be happening right throughout this year and then like i say the the longer residentials will be starting next year fabulous i did a shamanic weekend i found it absolutely incredible it is incredible In, yeah quite it blew my mind actually mm. blew my mind what i experienced i thought it was quite phenomenal so john 
Um, how can people get hold of you? How can people listen to this podcast get hold of you? You can follow me on LinkedIn or connect with me mm-hmm. on LinkedIn. Always up for having a chat with people there if you want. Um, and then I have a Twitter page for Becoming You, which you'll find. And then I've got two websites. So there's becomingyou.ie, which is really the more uh, residential um, immersive experiences uh, arm. And then my main coaching business is johnfleming.ie. Brilliant. So okay, lots- we will share. Sorry, John, say that again. Lots of different ways. Lots of different ways. We will share all the links attached to this podcast. Sounds um, good. So that people can come and find you. And it'd be great to hook up with you again in um 2023 to see how your retreats mm. are going i'll be there john any opportunity to be to ireland as well i'll be there um i'm not sure how i'll get on we're not talking before lunch <laughs> it's an invitation pip remember that's I just know, but i'm always up for an invite john always <laughs> up for an invite i'll give it a go but um thank you john for coming and hanging out with us this morning i really appreciate your time right. Um, it's been lovely talking to you and for, for all our listeners however you might find us subscribe to our channel and follow and share with anyone else you'll find us on spotify itunes google music and however else you might stream your podcasts john thank you for your time today it's been an absolute pleasure i always love talking to you thanks Pip. it was great oh, very welcome <laughs>